Whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Hello and welcome to the I Could Never Do That podcast. I'm Carrie Barrett, and these are the stories of people who have gone into the arena and fought hard to achieve the unthinkable in spite of the fact that, yes, sometimes they are scared and do have some insecurities. Are you ready to go in? It's my hope that after hearing some of these interviews with thought leaders and artists, athletes, musicians, and entrepreneurs, that maybe you too will be able to go from, I could never do that, to, you know what? Maybe I can. FKT. It's an acronym that stands for Fastest Known Time. And if you're completely unfamiliar with this concept, there is an official website, which is fastestknowntime.com. And if you go there, you'll find hundreds, if not thousands of routes around the world where people have submitted their times to get that coveted spot of having the FKT or the fastest known time. Well, about a year ago, my guests today were, were searching for new adventures and noticed something when they went to the fastest known time website. The majority, by far, of the routes were submitted only by men. In fact, many of them, the majority of these routes that they looked, didn't even have a female time next to it. Hmm. So, women do what women do. They got after it. And a group of women up in the Pacific Northwest area, the Oregon, Washington area, set out to tackle a bunch of FKT routes in that area. So women who FKT started as this small project between these runners and coaches and in the last year has grown into a full-blown global movement. In fact, as you'll hear, I heard about women who FKT by reading an article about them in Outside Magazine. So their mission, calling women, BIPOC, LGBTQ+, and other underserved minorities in to claim space on the trails. It is so important. And even as a longtime runner, I had so many fears and misconceptions about what it takes to actually do an FKT attempt, mainly because I know a few women who've chased wild and crazy FKTs like the Wonderland Trail, which is 90 plus miles that circumvents Mount Rainier. Uh, I have a friend who has done a triple crossing of the Grand Canyon and somebody else I know who has done all of the New Hampshire 4,000 footers, like, like a three-day adventure. So that's what I assumed FKT was all about. Like you had to just go out and be out in the woods, traversing mountains for three, four, five days. But I was wrong. And they dispel that myth and so many others I assumed about what it takes to attempt an FKT. So, of course, I left the conversation completely jazzed to seek one out and give it a go. And I hope that you do, too. So, together, let's claim some space on the trails and... Let's also welcome Marta, Dana, Terry, Danielle, and Stacy. This is the power behind Women Who FKT. Well, Women Who FKT, thank you so much for being here. And I'm saying 
women who FKT plural, because usually these interviews, you have one, maybe two people on it. We have five, five people that I'm interviewing today. So we're, it might be like herding cats, but, but this is the beauty of this type of format is that we can all see each other. We can all feed off of each other. And I'm honored because I get to glean so much information from the five of you who started Women FKT. And I'd like to start off with just a little bit of story of how I came to even discover this project. And I was uh, here in Bend. I had just had a swim session. So I was at the pool. And one of my main incentives for swimming is that I get to sit in the sauna afterwards. So I swim to actually sit in the sauna. And I had my outside magazine with me that I had just gotten. So I start thumbing through the pages and I'm reading articles. And I read this article about women who FKT, um, Marta prominently featured in that particular article. And I was training for a triathlon at the time. And I'm reading this article about these wonderful, wonderful FKT attempts. And I'm like, well, that's what I want to be doing. Like, I want to be on the mountains. I want to be on the trails. Why am I, why am I in a pool? Why am I on my bike trainer when I could be in the mountains? And so I reached out and Terry responded. And just a few short weeks later, we have a committee and we have an interview and we're going to have some amazing stories. So thank all of you for being here today. Yeah. yeah thank I'm you. Excited. You are the women of FKT. And I'm going to start with Dana. What is an FKT? First of all, let's just start the groundwork right there. And let's define what an FKT actually is. Sure, sure. So for anyone listening who's already lost it, FKT stands for fastest known time. And so the fastest known time basically starts with a distinct route, which could mean road or trail or a mountain route. And that is run or hiked by someone with using some kind of tracking device. So then it can be submitted to be verified by the website, fastestknowntime.com. Yeah. Fastestknowntime.com is a website and it's a, it's a popular website. It does track all of the official fastest known time or FKT attempts and events that have taken place. But which one of you concepted this women who FKT project. So Marta, was that you? Um, yeah, th that would be me. <laughs> um, I'm Marta Fisher. I had this idea uh, around this time last year, actually. Um, I had, that year I had finished Hard Rock 100 and that had been a goal I'd been working for, for, you know, towards for like seven or eight years. And so when you finish a big goal, there's this period of like, what's next? Like I was all jazzed from having finished something I was so excited about and I didn't know what to move on to. Um, and I've been looking at some FKTs and I was considering doing one or two, but there just were so many that just didn't have any women's times on them at all. Like um, it, it felt like everything was just too big for me to, um, for me to tackle by myself. And so I was trying to figure out, you know, like which one or two could I take on and then suddenly at, at some point I was just, you know, I happened to be driving back from volunteering at a race. And I was like, what if it's not just me? What if there's a whole bunch of us that are trying to tackle these together? Um, so one of the first things that I did about this is, is I typed something out in my training log, um, just real brief. And so obviously my coach, uh, Danielle Snyder, saw that. 
And she immediately was like, let's talk more about this. Hmm. Um, But like, this is still a very vague concept. I'm just like me and other people and FKTs and kind of didn't have much of an idea. Um, So, you know, kind of thinking about this uh, sooner, a couple days later, I write a, a vague Instagram post about like weird plan, you know, crazy plans for next year to which Stacy Lee, one of my pacers from hard rock was like, I'm into, I'm into wacky plans. What do you got? (laughs) And, uh, you know, when I explained it to her, she immediately got excited. She was immediately like Googling different routes. And she was like, I want to do this and there's no time here. And I want to do this and I want to do this. So, um, you know, this was starting to feel like maybe it had a little bit more traction than I was thinking. So, um, when I was, uh, I was actually cheering for the Portland marathon and Dana Katz, um, happened to be there. She's another coach in the Portland area. And I was like, Dana, so I'm thinking about like, what if, what if it's a bunch of us tackling FKTs? And she was just immediately excited and, and enthusiastic with the enthusiasm that I think you're going to get to hear on this, uh, podcast. Um, so the four of us at that point had some kind of a meeting and we kind of got some preliminary ideas down and it was starting to seem like, maybe this was going to be just more than like me and like five or six people that I know, like we didn't know what it was going to turn into yet, but it was seeming like maybe a little bit bigger than just my immediate circle of acquaintances. And in talking about this, um, uh, somebody suggested, you know, Terry has really good ideas about this kind of thing. And so I called her, explained it to her. And she, again, was immediately like sending me back ideas. She's like, here's how we can do this. And so we just kind of had to like bring her into our organizational team. So had prior to this organic project starting, had any of you achieved any FKTs, any official FKTs up to this point? Yeah. Um, Oh, go on, Marta. Well, I was going to say I I, I paced Danielle um, for her first FKT, I think it was, that was uh, the, uh, the Pacific Crest Trail through through Oregon, I actually did my first FKT about a month after our first meeting. Cause I was like, I need some experience. So I need to figure something out immediately. What can I do in October? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Danielle, you, you had some FKTs already. Yeah, I did. And you're so humble. <laughs> yeah. I had a few under my belt, but okay. I mean, I had done, I think like a couple before Maybe it was only one before doing the Oregon section of the PCT. When I went to the website, your your project website, I saw and you have some statistics that very sadly almost illustrate just how few women have have FKTs in general. So Terry, could you talk a little bit more about about that and how you found these statistics? Was it just you sitting around doing some of the math and trying to figure out like, wow, this is dismal. We can do better. Well, yeah. So actually Marta did all of the math and all of the crunching of the numbers. Um, and so she uh, supplied us with all of this, this information. Um, and it was really pretty interesting. Um, what she found was if you go like before 2016, um, it was about 8% of the FKTs that were be set, being set in Oregon and Washington. And we should say that we focus on Oregon and Washington because this did start as a limited project 
you know, like, you know, that we were looking at around here. we never, I don't think any of us really thought it would get quite as big as it has. <laughs> um, so all of our statistics are just kind of focusing on that. So Oregon and Washington up till about 2016, about 8% of, of the FKTs are being set by women and another 4% on mixed gender teams. And then in like 2017, from 2017 to 2019, um, it was more about a quarter, 25, about 24, 25% are, you know, being set. And then after 2020 and COVID, I think a lot of people that were looking for things to do started, you know, hitting the trails more. But even then, you're still talking about a third of the times being women's times. So, you know, there's that's a lot of room for growth. And I think what was interesting that we found, too, is that kind of mirrors what happens in ultra running in general. So at the 50K level, it's about a third of the participants are women. And then it goes down from there. And at the 100 mile area, you're talking about 20 percent. Um, and I think one of the early conversations we had was that, um, you know, this, why is that? Because if you look at running as a whole, it's, I think the statistics are right around 51% of runners are female. So, you know, of, of everyone. So why is it uh, when you're talking about trails, you're talking about ultras, you're talking about these kind of adventures, why do we see that participation drop off? And so I think that was, you know, something that, you know, we were talking about really early on. And so how, how can we actually do something that gets more people participating, not just talking about the fact that there's a gap, but actually taking action. And that's kind of where I think this project got its launch from. Um, and then just one other interesting statistic that Marta had noted, and I think was maybe the original statistic that she was really interested in was that there's like 350 routes in Oregon and Washington that have been put up there. And 59% of them at the time she was looking didn't have any women's times at all. Like there was nothing posted. So like, that's a huge opportunity. And so I think when, you know, putting all these things together um, is kind of what got us excited about the potential here. I definitely want to ask you several questions about the fears and the misconceptions, because even when I was reading the article in Outside, I could feel that <laughs> I could never do that anxiety kind of creep up into my chest of, well, these women are just different. They're, they're more accomplished or they're already fast runners. And, and I, and I want to, I want to broach into that topic here, but, but first you keep saying that it's called this, the women who FKT project. And I thought that that was an interesting use of that word, the project, which to me connotes like something that maybe started off as something that might have been temporary. Like here's this group of women, we're going to go out, we're going to tackle as many Oregon and Washington FKTs as we can. And we're going to do this as a team and encourage others. But I feel like now it's evolving. And Danielle, could you speak a little bit to that of, of why you chose the word project and then what's happening with it now? Sure. I mean, I guess I kind of see project is ongoing development and changing and growing and morphing in a way that um other it's not a fixed time mm -hmm. period um kind of like we were all saying i don't know that anyone really envisioned that it would get this big which is really awesome and exciting that little groups have popped up around the u.s that have like kind of taken their own initiatives um but we set goals for this year and I don't know that we really created goals beyond this year. I mean, and you guys on the team can correct me if I'm wrong. And it was more kind of like, let's see what happens. Let's see if we can get a following and people can be invested. Um, and it, because I think 
there has been so much discussion surrounding the desire for there to be equal gender participation that people just didn't know how. And this has Mm -hmm. provided an opportunity and a space for people to to connect and make it seem a little bit more manageable. Yeah. And it seems like it, it's, it's, you know, this, the women who FKT project, but for me, it feels more like a movement as I'm sure it does to you. Like this is, this is a movement and it continues to, to gain steam and to gain followers globally. So Stacy, um, why is this so important? I mean, we've touched on this gender equality, but, but for you and your involvement, why has it been so important for you? Yeah. So to me, this was really important because, you know, one of our goals was to really kind of, you know, dispel some of the common fears and misconceptions, which of course we're going to get into a little bit later in this discussion, but also, you know, for women to own space and take space on the trails, but also for um, historically underrepresented groups to take space and take ownership of the trails. And when I say, say typically, you know, underrepresented groups, that is, you know, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, uh, runners, women runners who are of those uh, backgrounds, which um, I am Asian American, so therefore I am a person of color, but also, um, you know, people who are, who identify as LGBTQ, TQIA plus because that is also an area where um, runners are, uh, you know, people are, runners tend to be mis- uh, underrepresented on the trails. Um, and, you know, and we're talking about like the metrics that we are keeping for this year as part of women who FKT, you know, the big thing is really like, you know, let's have more women run FKTs this year than men in the Pacific Northwest when we say Oregon and Washington. But our other metrics were also uh, related to um, having uh, women attempt their first FKTs, um, which we have I think surpassed that one much more than we ever thought we would. Um, and then the other one is uh, based off of like having people from those upper underrepresented groups that I mentioned uh, attempt their first FKTs. And that one we found has been a little bit harder to track, um, but, uh, but we have had a lot of people who have come back to us and have said, yes, I am, you know, a person of color um, or I meet the or I am a part of an upper underrepresented um, underrepresented group, and I am taking space on the trails, and I have attempted my first FKT, which is really really cool. I love that. In fact, one of your slogans on the website is a quote: "Calling women in to claim space on the trails." <laughs> that that moved me to the point where I that I will probably call the episode that like that will be the title of this episode probably because it does speak so boldly and so loudly into a space that we've never really had entrance to in any big way. Yeah, it really, it really has. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that, um, you know, women have women take up less space on trails historically. Um, and there's a lot of fears that keep people off trails. Um, and a lot of just like, just, I think barriers to entry. It's like, where do you begin unless it's something that you know that somebody is going to teach you, you know, where do you even start? 
And so that was, you know, kind of like another part of what we were looking to do is to be able to build kind of a community where people could, you know, share information, um, help with planning, help with equipment, whatever it is that could help people be able to get that courage essentially to um, go and try their first FKT. And that is such a home run for me. As I said, when I was reading the article, I was literally like, oh, this is great. You know, I'm, I'm like a tough female. I can do this, but I, I like, I am stopped before I even start because I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. How do you, how do you determine? So let's talk about some of those fears and misconceptions and let's dispel some of those myths that, that maybe surround this whole FKT phenomenon. Dana, one of my fears, and I'm quite sure is probably a hesitation for many people is that you have to be crazy fast or some super accomplished athlete in order to even attempt an FKT. And I have a story about that, that I'm embarrassed about because I, um, as a coach, I'm a running coach. And in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I, I was losing some athletes because they weren't racing. So they're just running for fun. And someone was like, why don't you coach people to do FKTs? And I was like, oh, that's for fast people. And I'm so embarrassed to think back on that. And, you know, there are some routes that are local routes that are short, that fast people are doing all the time. And okay, that is, but FKTs are of all kinds of distances, require all kinds of skills. Sometimes it's 10 miles of bushwhacking that doesn't necessarily need to go to the fastest person, right? So lots of people can be out there. There's a trail for everyone. So um, so truly the, um, the FKTs, there is something for everyone from the five mile fast routes to 20 miles to five days or months long. Um, so it, it, it isn't something that's only for fast people. And also Terry said the statistics where if you have all of these routes that have zero times, who cares if you're fast, put one up there and it might inspire someone else to say, wait, I think I can do that one faster because if there's no time to beat, we find that some of my athletes will feel embarrassed to put a time they feel is too slow. And so if someone puts up any time, and then it inspires someone else to go just a little faster. That's again taking up that space on the trails. So it's yes. for us. Yeah. And and heck, if I if I get an FKT, even if it's the you know the first female time, I am printing that sucker out while it's on that while yeah. it's on the screen. I am putting that thing up. It doesn't matter. It's like you could call. All you have to do is become a New York Times bestselling author one time in your life. <laughs> Even if it's 30 years ago, you will always be a New York Times bestselling author. So, well, also, you know, this, I, the women who have KT, you know, our Instagram presence, I think that is an amazing piece because. And an FKT, you know, sometimes maybe like your training partner cares and maybe your mom or something, but really <laughs> like who's getting excited about this? And it's a little embarrassing for a lot of times women are not tooting their own horn. And so it's so cool to see our Instagram where we get to toot the horn of women who are doing these amazing things and giving a little more, um, just amplifying these efforts. And so when you set your FKT, we'll put it on our Instagram. I uh, trust me, you will be the first to know <laughs> when that happens. Uh, but one of, again, another fear that I had, and I think it's because I, I know of a few people who have a uh, few women who have achieved some FKTs. One was 
the Grand Canyon triple crossing. Is it rim to rim to rim to rim to rim to rim? Mallory Brooks is a friend. Uh, she and you know one of her running partners also at one point had the FKT on the Wonderland Trail, which is you know like ninety-two miles or something like that. And you know, and it goes on. And so my perception was that, well, in order to get an FKT, you basically have to like go on vacation for a month and it has to be some ridiculously long and crazy multi-day adventure. So you have just said, Dana, you said that it's not true. Stacy, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, FKTs, I mean, I think the shortest FKT route that we've seen is I think in the range of like four and a half miles or so. And there's some specific criteria on the Fastest Known Times website. And really, uh, a Fastest Known Time has, a route has to be, I think it was, and I probably should look this up ahead of time, but I think it's like 10 miles or 500 feet elevation gain minimum. So there are some shorter routes that are, you know, that have the elevation gain. Marta's raising her hand. And I'll let her speak to this a little bit better. I probably... Yeah. She, I know she's done her research. <laughs> I, I think the distance is like five miles. It's definitely okay. less than 10. Um, but yeah, I mean, as long as that 500 feet of elevation gain, um, there are some routes that are much shorter because they're just really steep, you know, so they're a mile long and a thousand feet of gain. So Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this, yeah, this past summer, my husband and I did uh, a little virtual race here in central Oregon and it's called the Butte challenge. Mm. And, and I don't know, Danielle, if you're familiar with that being around this area, but it's, you basically had from May to like Memorial day to labor day. And they had eight designated buttes that you could go climb and very similar to an FKT. It's, you just have to wear a GPS enabled watch. You had to upload your data to their specific website so that they can verify it. And then you got ranked among others. And I know for a fact that there were some that weren't more than two miles long, but no doubt fit into that criteria of being over 500 feet. So maybe I've had an FKT and I just haven't looked yet. Okay. Now I have homework to do, but it's in that same vein. I would imagine that you're going out there and it's, and it's for fun and it's adventure seeking. You're not, the beauty of it is that you're not like in a gigantic race with other people. So it really is just you and your watch and, and nature. And I guess that was another fear that you come across that, there may there's some misconception that you have to do it alone in order for it to count and and that's not true so can you talk to that stacy yeah no you can um you don't have to do an fkt alone um one of my fkts that i accomplished this year actually was with terry who's actually on this call and um you know so i mean you can you know as a going after fkt you can do this with other women you can uh, have a male partner, which then it becomes a mixed gender team. Um, but this is something you don't have to do by yourself. And you can also choose to have your FKT be supported, which means you can have a crew meet up with you and help you and cheer you and pace you and whatever support you want, whenever you want, or you can do, um, you know, self-supported or unsupported, which of course, then you wouldn't have that crew cheering you on. But I mean, there's so many options to say, hey, guess what? You don't have to be alone in this. Mm, and that is that is so helpful for so many of us. And I, I know 
that even if I was doing something alone on the trail, you, there's still a team of support behind you, getting you yeah. ready and, and preparing things for you. So I guess we're never really alone, alone, are we? Um, <laughs> another misconception that I wanted to talk to touch on and Marta, maybe you can speak to this if we haven't really touched on it enough already, which is that the misconception that some of these FKTs that they're already like, they're unbeatable, you know, like the, the, the times are already so fast and you can look at a time and you're like, yeah, there's no way. So why would I even bother, bother doing that? And then by the same token that not only might times be really unbeatable, but that it's really competitive and that some women wouldn't be as supportive of, of your attempt. Even if you did reach out to them, say, Hey, can you, can I get some tips on, you know, I'm thinking about doing this FKT. You've already, you already have it. I'm thinking about attempting it. That competitive nature would scare me a little bit. Yeah. So I, I can address a couple of parts of that. One is that, you know, we, we started this whole project because I saw so many routes that just didn't have any times at all. Um, so there, there's still plenty of routes out there that don't have times. Um, there are also um, routes out there that, you know, we have recruited people who are not sponsored runners who were pretty much ordinary every day. And they were, they went out there and they made a point to do the, do the whole route, to do it correctly. They weren't necessarily taking like big breaks to watch the sunrise or whatever. Um, but you know, they're, they're beatable times. And then, you know, one thing that I've started telling people is, is an FKT is never the last word, like the whole community. Um, and this is something that I think has existed in FKTs from definitely before many of us have come in, the whole community gets so excited when one of these like big marquee times get broken and that continues down the line. Um, just this past weekend, I was attempting to um, run Mount Defiance and set an FKT for that. Um, it currently doesn't have one. It does have a, a Strava time that I, I need to beat the Strava time. So before I went out there, I reached out to the person who, ha who had the Strava time and I said, hey, I think I need to beat your time. How do you feel about this? And within 10 minutes, she had emailed me back. She was like, I'm so excited for you. You should go get it, you know, like go tackle this and post that time. And she was so excited. Um, I haven't gotten it yet. And I updated her. I said, hey, I, I didn't quite beat your time. I'm going to have to give it another go. And she was like, oh yeah, you totally should. Um, you know, like, let me, let me know how this is going. So um, there really is a lot of support out there both to set those first times, but then also to, um, to, to beat a lot of the existing times that are, that are out there. That is so fantastic. And this is somewhat related, but I think it speaks to the sisterhood that a lot of women share, especially the sisterhood of female athletes and performance-minded women that I, I interviewed a woman a couple of weeks ago. Her name is Deanna McCurdy, and she's a, a mountain bike racer and she lives in Colorado and she was always trading QOMs, Queen of the Mountain segments on Strava with this neighbor of hers. And she was like, she was kind of getting annoyed by it because she would set a, Q a QOM on some sort of a segment from Strava and then her neighbor would go beat it. And um, they finally connected over Strava and just said, hey, you know, like, why don't we go ride together? We obviously are very similarly paced. And they became such good friends that they just recently finished a six-day stage race called the Breck Epic in the mountains of uh, Breckenridge, Colorado, where they won. And so, yeah, I mean, 
we could do this individually, but the sum is greater than the parts. And I think, um, I think your story of you reaching out to, to that woman speaks very, very highly of that as well. So that's very encouraging to hear. There are so many things though, that I I'm thinking of all the reasons why women won't do this, or they will say I could never. So Danielle, what what are some, you're a coach, is that correct? You're a running coach mm-hmm. as well. So what yeah. are some, what are some of the, the reasons or excuses? There's a very big difference between those two words, but what are some of the reasons or excuses that, that women give you for not attempting something like this? I mean, a lot of the questions that we've covered so far with the common fears and misconceptions tackle it of not having enough information as, as far as how to do it, as well as, you know, as a whole in our society right now, we're witnessing an interesting turn of events of how some of society sees women and there still definitely exists a bias that women athletes maybe don't belong out there. And I want to, I watered it down by saying maybe, but that women athletes are not as dedicated or committed and they have families and, you know, jobs and all these other things. And so really the group was created to dispel that, that, you know, it doesn't have to be a huge project in order to be competitive. Um, It doesn't mean that you're not supporting other women. It just means that you have to find the right fit and talk about the barriers. So if I have someone who, an athlete that I'm working with, who is like afraid of running alone, then maybe she needs a partner. And that's another thing that like, we have a Slack channel where you can get on that Slack channel and you can say, Hey, like I'm interested in doing this route. Does anyone want to do it with me? So really trying to help like, take away those barriers. I mean, if someone, one of my friends was like, Hey, I want to go do an FKT. Will you watch my kid? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we can kind of like work together as a community to not like limit competition, but to elevate because any, every time someone is able to compete and be stronger, it makes our gender stronger. Oh, that was a mic drop right there. <laughs> this question, I will follow up then with this with this question. And Terry, I'm looking at you, but why should women attempt something big like this? And and I say big, and I know we've already talked about like not F, not every FKT has to be big in the scale of distance or elevation or anything like that. But like, and what I mean by big is like more. It's just like this. It's an independent achievement that you are setting out to do from start to finish. You're not sending, you know, you're not signing up for a race and then going to get your swag bag and running a big race with 500, 10,000 other people, whatever. Like this is such an independent accomplishment. So why would, a what, like, why should a woman attempt FKTs? Wow. There's so many reasons that I can list. Um, but I think my own personal story with this journey actually speaks to that really well. So as Marta said at the very beginning, I kind of came in at the last end of things. And I came in with every intention of representing all those people 
that thought this was a great project and were there to support it because I was not a person that would be able to do at FKT. Like that wasn't going to be for me based on just where I felt like I was at with my running and all the things that were happening. Um, and it wasn't very long after jumping into this project that Stacy invited me to join her on this um, Olympic Peninsula FKT, which is like 190 miles. And I said yes before I was really even thinking about what I was committing myself to because it just sounded so exciting. So all of a sudden I'm finding myself committed to doing FKT and I'm having to go through this whole process of getting ready for it. So I'm having to learn about tides. Like we had to go learn about tides and how not, because there's coastal, like there's a coastal mm-hmm. section. Um, and so I'm learning those skills with her and I'm learning how to use a bear vault. I'd never used a bear vault before. And like, how in the world do you pack 25,000 calories into a bear vault? And I'm having to train and get ready and do, and go through this whole process of planning this entire thing with her. And as it's happening, like I am gaining confidence now in myself in, you know, learning new skills, building confidence, um, going, you know, and then we went out and we actually accomplished it, which I was shocked about. Like, I didn't think I'd finished. Um, and so, you know, I then like actually kind of re sparked that, that competitive part, because like when we first were talking about it, she's like, well, there's no time. I'm like, perfect. We can take like two weeks or something, <laughs> you know, yes. and, and <laughs> guaranteed no. FKT. Yeah it, yeah. it took, but it took us, you know, we, we took six days and like, so it was like learning like to push again, you know? And so it, there was just this whole, like all of these different factors that go into it, um, where you're, you're outside of your comfort zone and that can happen on a short FKT. It could happen on a long FKT. And I think that's, you know, like, like that reason right there of trying something new of, of growing your competence of leaning, you know, learning to lean on other people and do this kind of project and all of that, like that has incredible value, especially, you know, and, and for people that have been, you know, running and doing those things for a long time, like I've been an athlete for a long time, but it, for me, was like the spark I needed to kind of restart everything, um, you know, after, you know, a couple of really hard years going through perimenopause. And so, yeah, like that reason right there. And then like for younger athletes, athletes again like you know they're they're gonna learn a ton of skills going out and doing something like this so that for that's I feel like a big value of this is we're helping people like women that are maybe thinking about doing longer races we're helping them like make that comp like leap like confidence you know clear mm-hmm. that confidence gap um, where they might come out on the other side just ready to do other things in their lives you know athletically or otherwise um, as a result of doing an FKT. I, this call is full of, you know, athletes and coaches alike. And I know that having raced for many years and having coached, you are always on the verge of some sort of a burnout. You know, if you don't give yourself a break or if you don't try something new or, or look at uh, an event a different way, have you seen where going out and attempting some of these new routes have been invigorating for both you and some of your athletes? And Danielle, if that, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I can speak to that, you know, I can personally, I got attracted to FKTs when I needed a little bit of a break from racing because I was putting a lot of pressure on myself and it no longer was fun. And FKTs called to me because they felt connected to a bigger picture. Like there, when I started doing FKTs, there was an even smaller women percentage. And so in a safe way, it taught me how to expand my boundaries where I was like, I'm not encouraging people to go out there and do things without knowing their risks, but like 
I had never run alone on a on a trail at night before. And I my for my big FKT that I first did, my partner got injured. And so then I was like in this position where I was forced to try new things that I, I wouldn't have done. And so it expands. And the athletes I work with, like they don't necessarily know that they have these competencies within themselves. And again, you want to be prepared. I don't want to send anyone out there who's not prepared and doesn't know, like we can work you through how to use Gaia and stuff like that. But I think it connects you to running in nature in a different manner than racing does. And I, I'm back to racing. I love racing. There's nothing wrong with it. It just, I mean, being alone out on the trail for me was just such a, a different experience than I've ever felt on a, during a race. Yeah, I would imagine that's powerful. Very, very powerful. Thank you for, for answering that. You know, I, again, coming from a little bit of personal experience of many years of racing, long distance triathlon, you know, another factor and another reason why this is such an appealing um, adventure is that racing could just become expensive after a mm -hmm. while. Mm -hmm. And this certainly, this is not without cost. However, it's different. You know, you get the ROI on it. You see the ROI, you achieve the ROI. So, uh, you know, I think cost has become a barrier to racing and it's not as much of a barrier to entry here. It really, it really has. And that was really kind of helped me that actually really kind of helped me reframe my thought about fastest known times as I was talking with a friend of mine in the, you know, long distance hiking world, um, a fabulous woman named Crystal Gale Welcome. She's a footprints uh, for change on Instagram and she's doing a multi-year Great Western Loop. But she and I were chatting and she's like, FKTs are really kind of expensive. They're elitist. And I'm just like, wait, hold on there. <laughs> and so we really, so we got talking because I mean, from her perspective, you know, FKTs are something that people go on these really long distance, you know, trails that have a lot of, you know, costs in terms of like equipment gear and like not, you know, time off and everything like that. And so I started talking with her about like, you know, it, an FKT can be as short as five miles or 500 feet elevation gain. An FKT can be somewhere close to home. An mm -hmm. FKT can, one of the advantages of FKTs is it's really on your own schedule. So you can choose like the best day that works for you with the best weather and all those other things without those costs. Um, I've attempted two longer distance races um, so far. Um, the first was a hundred miler and I had sprained my ankle extremely badly, like eight weeks before the race. And so I didn't finish that one. And then I had attempted a 100K um, in 2021, and the air quality wasn't great because of wildfire smoke, and that kind of triggered my asthma, which meant I made the decision not to finish that one either. And, you know, with an FKT, it's like, oh, well, I can choose a day that there's no wildfire smoke. I can choose the optimum temperature. I can choose a day that maybe I'm not as stressed. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can choose and less costs. So, I mean, there's a lot of really cool things that make FKTs very attractive. Great, great point on the whole weather and being able to manipulate the schedule if that allows. That's that's a fantastic point. I want to talk about some of the goals and some of the results that you've seen. And 
I'll just remind everyone, Marta said it at the beginning, this was something she concepted a year ago. So this, this Women Who FKT project is in its infancy and you are already meeting and exceeding so many of the expectations that you set forth. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the results that you've been able to gather in the last 12 months? Yeah. Um, so we're, we're going to get some numbers here again. Um, uh, Terry mentioned at the beginning that in the past, like at the most, like a third of the FKTs in Oregon and Washington were set by women. Um, as of September 1st, we were sitting at uh, 45%, you know, so that's a huge step up already. And what I've been seeing in September, I'm not certain if we're going to be beating the guys yet. Um, but I've been seeing so many like awesome routes that are getting new times on them. Some, some of them are first times, some of them are beating existing times. Some of the, you know, most of them are people who've heard of us and try to tag us. Some of them are things that come out of the blue and we're like, oh my God, somebody just did that. That's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so just like the, the number in Oregon, Washington, we're, we're um, very close to meeting that goal and, you know, we'll see how the rest of the year develops. Um, as uh, I think it was Stacy mentioned, we've already like blown out of the water our, you know, like we thought maybe we'll get 50 women who will tag us on their first FKT. And we're at like, I think 65 right now. I, we were at 62 and then I added three more last night. So like it's, <laughs> it's starting to blow up. Um, we, we, we have had some women from underrepresented groups who, who have tagged us. Um, and so like, it's great to see them out on the trails. I always love it when they tag us because it's like, oh, okay, great. It, 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 we, are, we are starting to, starting to spread and, and hopefully starting a conversation about diversifying the sport of trail running as a whole, you know, beyond just talking about, you know, men versus women. Mm. Um, but as, as we were, you know, mentioning, this has gotten quite a bit bigger than we really anticipated. I always knew it was the sort of thing where somebody from out of state and I thought, oh, maybe somebody from Idaho or California will tag us. Um, as of last time I checked, we have had people tag us on FKTs in 24 states of the U.S., three Canadian provinces, and in the U.K., and somebody in Australia has told us she's aiming for one in October. So we'll, we'll see what we get. Um, Unbelievable. And, yeah, and, and then new routes, too. Almost half of the new routes in Oregon and Washington this year were submitted by women. I, I don't, it's not something I thought to look at at the beginning of this project, but but like that feels like we're getting into the, the range where there's a lot more like, um, you know, general participation in this instead of just a bunch of guys like pounding their chests. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. And I know Terry, um, I believe, uh, well, uh, you know, uh, actually she's a, a feisty co-worker of mine. She hosts a podcast called Iron Women, but Alyssa Gadeski mm. in New Hampshire, yeah. I feel like that's her new career. Like she like, she's She's kind of, a badass. Yeah. I mean, she's done, you know, she was a professional triathlete and, and I think she's still, you know, is a professional triathlete, but has made this amazing shift into adventure racing and FKT attempts. And she's, I don't know, she's, she's hit a couple of them this summer. Hasn't she? Yeah. She has done some gnarly work out there. Yeah. 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 So, you know, as you said, you know, she's on the East coast. So she's over in the New Hampshire, Vermont, you know, that side of the country. So it really, really is 
a global phenomenon now. And I'm going to I'm going to ask this kind of, you know, it's question that that I hadn't scripted at this point, but how are you handling that? And this is probably a great way to talk more about the the logistics side of things because I'm in Oregon myself, so I have these wonderful resources of the routes that you guys have posted for Oregon, Washington, but I'm not always in Oregon. Sometimes I'm in Texas, sometimes I'm in Ohio. And are you helping with those types of resources now as well? So I guess the 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 bottom line question, Marta, is like, how does the project stand now in support of a bigger audience and not just the Pacific Northwest? Um, we have had some women on the east, in the northeast, uh, volunteer to, they're like, I want to start something like this here. And we're, we're still trying to figure out how to make that work. Um, uh, we've been a little bit overwhelmed with, uh, with trying to manage what we already have. And so then trying to mentor somebody else when we don't have like a good footprint has been difficult, but especially as we get towards the end of the year and we were initially thinking of this as a one-year project, we're like, okay, what would we need to make this into a, you know, like more of an ongoing um, thing? Um, So like we're starting to work with them to try to figure out how we can make this a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a national thing and, and spread the workload differently. So certainly if anybody anywhere is like, oh, you know, I'm down here and I think I'd love to help out with this, like reach out. We don't know what we're going to have you do yet. <laughs> um, but we're, we're trying to figure that out and, and make something that's a little bit more sustainable because I, I will say that um, I think it's Terry and I that have done most of the um keeping up with most of the posts and it's been exhausting. Like there's so many nights that I have not gotten as much sleep as I would like to for my running because I'm like, I'm like, okay, there's, there's somebody that wanted to, you know, wanted me to email about about this. And I also need to make, take care of these four other things. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's where it stands right now. Oh yeah. I love that. And I mean, let's, let's state the obvious fact that like, this isn't a paying gig for anyone. Like you guys all have jobs and other responsibilities and families and things. So this is, it sounds like it started off as just that passion project that somehow starts to take over our lives, whether we like it or not. <laughs> um, Mostly yeah. like it, but that's good. Yeah. Tiring yeah. yeah, I bet. And so from a logistics standpoint, you know, I'm interested, I'm intrigued. I want to do something. Uh, now I'm, I'm fired up. But I maybe want to attempt an FKT in my area, but so where should I go first then, Marta? Like, can you help identify a list or does women who FKT offer videos and resources that I can just start to watch to learn? Yeah. So if, if you're in Washington or Oregon, we do have a list of routes that don't have um, times on them that is kind of a, a place to start looking onto the FKT website. So that's one place that you can start. Um, There's a couple of other places where people have made lists of, I know there's a list for New Hampshire and um, I think one for Virginia as well. So, um, you know, like check and see, I think we try to link to those when we can. Um, We also do have on our website, we did a couple of Zoom meetings um, at the beginning of the year where we were kind of talking about like, okay, here's, here's some basics about getting into FKTs where we explain a little bit more about what we, you know, supported, unsupported and, and self-supported means how to sort all that out. 
And then, um, you know, the other thing you can do is, is I do think one thing that we have um, provided people is a, a nice friendly entryway where you can ask questions. Um, like, I think sometimes it's a little intimidating to, to send a, a message through the contact link at the FKT website that says, can you explain this to me better, where I, I think we're a little bit more accessible. So we definitely have fielded some questions from people who were like, I'm thinking of an FKT, but is my watch right? Do I have to use a tracker? Um, who do I send this to? What do I need to put in my write-up? Um, so, you know, we're totally available to ask those questions. And then let me also point out, we are generating a whole network of new FKT set setters. And so if you know anybody in your neighborhood that has already set an FKT, they are also now a little bit of a resource for you. That's fantastic. And while we're on the subject of, of equipment, Stacy, what what do you need? You know, what kind of GPS watch or what, yeah. what, what short list of equipment would you recommend? And let's say it's not, you know, we're not, we're not off doing, um, a six day or two week adventure, but it, let's say it's like, you know, a nice robust all day adventure or, uh-huh. you know, something, something that's, that's going to require some equipment. Yeah. So in terms of like GPS trackers, I would say you could totally size that to this to essentially like the length of time of your of your FKT. I mean, for my Olympic Peninsula FKT, I used a, a Garmin InReach, um, but you know Zolio and uh, Spot are also options. But like for most FKTs that are under twenty four hours, you could use just your you know your Garmin or your Coros or whatever your smartwatch of of choices. Um, I did create a shorter route called All of Powell Butte, which is here in Portland. And it's kind of a choose your own route type of uh, FKT. So it's open field. You There's a park that has about 11 and a half mile network of trails. And the idea is that you run all the trails and figure out how to untangle the spider web of um, the spider web of different trails, the shortest way possible. And that one you could, you know, realistically, you know, record it on your smartphone using like Strava or another app. So that way, like the barrier to entry is super low and you don't have to have any sort of specialized equipment. So, I mean, you can really size your tracker to the length of your FKT. And, you know, I think we've had some people even within Women Who FKT who said, hey, I'm attempting a longer FKT. Does somebody have, you know, a spot or a you know, a inReach that I can borrow. Yeah. And is the inReach, the Garmin inReach, is that something where like you can have people track you along the way as well? It is. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing because on the PCT with, when I was with one of my friends, we had people sending us encouraging messages and we were like crying because we were at like mile 350 or something. And people were just like, <laughs> you can do it. And we're like, oh, okay, they believe in us. We're not going to die. Like, on top of like having a Garmin in reach, which I have one and people can borrow from me. It's, mm-hmm. you don't necessarily need the messaging mm-hmm. support, but it, when you've been out there for multiple days or even yeah. just an hour, sometimes you need support. Yeah. And it's, we found that was super useful too, because like when we did our Olympic Peninsula FKT, I think on day three, we realized, oh shoot, we're not going to hit our scheduled camp tonight. And in the Olympics, you have, you have to like kind of pre-plan your itinerary and there's certain areas like you can only camp in your design, your 
designated camp that day. And so we actually used our inReach to email the permit office and said, hey, we want to make a change to our permit. This is what we want it to be. And they actually responded to us the next day saying it's been approved. And um, if any rangers ask you, just show them this message. It was like oh really gosh. awesome. Yeah, that's that was really cool. And, um, and it builds in a layer of safety, which I think is great. Uh, you know, like that is uh, almost priceless at that point. Mm -hmm. Just, just knowing that. Other, other equipment? Yeah. So, I mean, because other equipment is really relayed, once again, back to, like, your distance. And, like, I would say also your location of F the location of your FKT. It really de depends upon risk. I mean, if you're doing an urban FKT that's here in the city, I mean, I would just take what I would normally bring with me on any other run. So, it might be, like, you know, my phone, my ID in a pocket, and, like, maybe a bottle of water or something like that. You know, if I'm running just, like, an urban FKT. But, you know, if you're getting into the wilderness, you know, I, you know, I think there's a definitely kind of a balance that you have to take of risk versus reward. But I mean, once you're in the wilderness, you know, if something happens, help isn't going to be able to necessarily get to you quickly. Um, even if you have like a tracking device that has an SOS button, help isn't going to get to you quickly. And so, I mean, typically, um, you know, I've been an outdoors person as long as I can remember. And, you know, it's like basically coming down to the 10 essentials and what are you going to need to be able to keep yourself safe and be able to keep yourself alive. If for some reason, something goes sideways, like you sprain an ankle and you can't walk out or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're in a wilderness trail, always have some sort of navigation. So, you know, whether it be a smartphone with a fully charged battery and a backup. Um, so you have your maps or a paper map and a compass or altimeter, you know, a headlamp or some sort of light if you might, you know, there's a chance that you might be pushing darkness and you don't want to get caught out there on the trails and not be able to see where you're going. Um, you know, typically the 10 essentials also include sun protection. So whatever that might be for your FKT, if that's a concern, same with first aid, sizing that right for what you might need, you know, for, you know, a short FKT, that may not be much, you know, for something a little bit longer, that might be a little bit more extensive in terms of thinking like, what kind of medications might I need if something goes really, really wrong, you know, um, yes. you know. A shelter, and that might be just like an emergency blanket mm -hmm. or a cheap plastic poncho. Um, Perhaps like a water filtration. Water filtration system. Because I mean, actually, you know, for an FKT, if there's, you know, do your research, if there's water sources, filter your water. A lot of times it's going to weigh a lot less than carrying, you know, three or four liters of water for a really long haul. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I guess, extra food, you know, because you want to make sure that you're keeping yourself fueled. And if it's taking longer than you expected, you want to make sure that you have that fuel to be able to power you through. And then, um, you know, maybe an extra layer or something like that, because if you get stuck out there at night, you want to make sure that you're keeping warm enough to be able to survive. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think about, um, I'm, I'm, you know, knock on wood, I don't have any allergies, but if you do have allergies, bringing the appropriate medication or EpiPen or things like mm -hmm. that, yeah, those, yeah. Those case scenarios. I am one of those people with severe allergies. So I carry an EpiPen and I also carry 
um, Benadryl and my allergist has given me a prescription of prednisone. So that's like my extra layer of protection above my EpiPen. Um, you know, so it's like, if you have medical conditions, you know, check that with your doctor and then work with them to come up with the adequate plan, you know, sure. Sure. And, and, you know, some of these things that you're mentioning, as you said, I just want to stress that it's like, it is relative to the, to the FKT that you would be attempting, you know, like you don't need to carry a 60 pound pack. If you're, if you're just going to, to be doing a shorter one, you know, what you're describing, I I think is like, this is, you know, it's the Mercedes Benz of, of equipment, um, hiking poles, I'm sure obviously as relative to the terrain as, um, you know, that you would be, that you would be on, whether you would need those or not. Um, one thing I think that Stacy mentioned that has been a learning point for me is I feel like I know the trails pretty well, but I've already got one FKT that I didn't complete on a trail that I thought I knew really well because I made not one, but two wrong turns. And I made the first wrong turn and added an extra mile. And I was like, it's fine. It's not a problem. Um, I, I can still complete it. And then I made the second wrong turn. And by the time I realized it, I was like, I, I was already on a shortcut back to the car. <laughs> and so I was like, no, this, this day is over. So like that one, I didn't have great navigational stuff because I thought I knew the trail. And I think from here on out, I'm definitely going to err on the side of like having a good map that is like already opened up on my phone, just because sometimes things happen. And if you get off trail, then you suddenly you're adding, you know, 20, 30 minutes, an hour that, that you might not really have. <laughs> especially if, if you're going against the time that already exists and you're trying to, to beat it. Yeah. That one was against a time that already exists. So I couldn't say, well, whatever time I get here is fine. You know, um, I, I really did. I was like, no, I can, I can add 20 minutes. I think, I think I'll still be under. And then I'm like, well, I could add 20 minutes. I can't add 40 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Right. right, Yeah. Right. I was going to say one more thing and it's not a piece of equipment, um, but especially if you're doing like a long adventure run hike, the last thing I would advise as part of your planning, know what all your bail routes are, because you don't know what's going to happen. And knowing where those outs are going to be in case of an emergency are really, really kind of key. I would say not from my F, not from when, not from during one of my FKT attempts, but I have been out on the trails previous times where we've had to use some of those planned bail points um, because of weather or heat or heat illness or other reasons. So it's really important to take that account in your planning, especially if you're doing, you know, a longer adventure. Mm, That's great, great advice. Um, And, and all of this, you know, could sound a little nerve wracking, but it is the reality of being out in nature. So Dana, like, do you recommend that first timers, do you think it's safer for them to maybe seek out a supported FKT attempt rather than do something big on their own until they become more comfortable and confident? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think talking about, you know, we come off that conversation talking about some of the risks and having to carry all this gear. And so you might think, okay, my first attempt should definitely be something supported. And I think that is a wrong way of thinking about it. The supported versus unsupported. There's actually three ways. So you can do a self-supported unsupported or supported. And you should really be sizing that to the effort 
and also to how you want to do it. And so if you are doing something, let's say it's 20 miles in an area you're comfortable with and you are confident in that area, there's no reason that you would need to have support unless you wanted to. And wanting to have support is a great reason to do it. But if you don't feel that you need that, then doing it unsupported is not a dumb reason. And if it doesn't go right, that you're not blamed for that, right? It's there, there's a good reason to, to do that. But some routes, it's almost, it would add a lot of time to do it supported, right? Where if you have to carry an, a crazy amount of food or getting water or whatever that is. And so the other thing is people might want to do a supported effort because not everyone can run really far in the mountains. And so being able to involve your family or your kids or friends who are helping you out sometimes is really worthwhile. And so um, that, that there's reasons to do both, but I don't think the default should be supported because we feel that we're scared or something like that. Matching the support to the trail is the best way to do it and not just going for the friends because we need that sort of safety and numbers piece. Sure, sure. That's Thank you for that. As we round the corner here to the finish line or to our own FKT on this interview, um, Danielle, what advice? So this whole show, as you know, is called I Could Never Do That. And we hopefully have spent the last hour dispelling the, the misconception and the myths that, that you can't attempt something big in life and get out of your comfort zone to achieve something that you never thought that you could do. So what advice do you have coach for somebody who would be, is so interested and I'm looking in the mirror right now, but is still scared. What are you going to tell me? I mean, I have so many things that I want to say, but I am going to try to make it short and succinct is that you don't know if you don't try. And the, yeah, you don't know it if you don't try. I recently was watching a race where this underdog won it, eh, underdog, whatever that means. And one of the things that the announcer said was that this is why we run races. And I've kind of translated that into most of the things that I do in my life is like, we learn just as much from attempts that we do from achieving our main goals. And so it really, I mean, yeah, it's awesome to put down a FKT on the board, but I, and I think the team is just as excited to hear that someone's like willing to push their comfort zone and go out there and try. And all you have to do is believe just a little bit and that <laughs> should get you enough to start and you'll learn along the way. I am in, uh, Marta. How can we help you and your team in this endeavor? I feel so privileged that that five of you gave up an hour on a on a Thursday afternoon in the middle of a workday to speak about this project. And I am fired up. And I know people that are who are listening are going to be fired up. So where can we go and how can we help you? grow this endeavor to, to continue into 2023 with whatever goals that you set for the future? Well, I mean, the, the, well, I won't say the easiest thing, the most direct route to helping us is to, to go out there and set your own FKT of some kind. Um, and, um, you know, try it out, tell us how it went as, as Danielle pointed out, even if it's not successful, 
we, we still like hearing those stories and we like sharing those stories. One of my favorite posts that we were tagged in was somebody with a video of themselves, like doing a little dance and saying, I was, you know, I made two attempts. I failed at both of them, but I am failing forward. And she's like, I'm still very excited to, to have tried. So, um, so if you attempt an FKT or if you set an FKT, tag us and let us know. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's a great way to, uh, to, to share the project. Um, another thing is, is there, there are some people that like this idea, but really, or for whatever reason, not in the place in their life where they can set an FKT right now, but there are all kinds of ways of supporting. So if you know of somebody else that's setting one, um, maybe they could use somebody to, um, drive them to the, you know, drive them to the trailhead and shuttle their car so they can do it end to end. Um, you know, so, so put those feelers out there, say, you know, like if, if anybody wants to attempt an FKT, then, then I would love to, um, help you with that. Um, I, I guess. And then the other thing, if, uh, if, if you do feel like, Hey, I, I feel like I have some organizational skills, I could volunteer to this, uh, send us an email and, and we'll, we'll try to figure something out. You know, we'll, We'll, we'll try to keep this. We would like to keep a lot of the aspects of this that have been valuable for people. Um, and so eventually that's going to require some, some more help for us. So volunteer. Yes, absolutely. So the Instagram handle is at women who FKT and the website, of course, I'll put all of this in the show notes, but the website where you've been managing this project from the beginning is um, it's ultrayoufitness.com. And that's one of your coaching sites, right? That's, that's me. That's, that's Dana. Dana. That's your coaching site. So She's an awesome coach. Yeah. You're, and so you're, when you go to ultrayoufitness.com, you're going to see a coaching site, but there is a, a, a branded page that says the women who FKT project on it. And so you click there and it is a wealth of resources. As you alluded to earlier, there are videos on how to get started. You've compiled a list of Oregon, Washington's sites. So you don't even have to do that homework. A lot of that homework is, is done for you. And, you know, I, I, we've touched on all of the, the questions and the topics that, that I wanted to cover today. Did anyone else want to add any color to this conversation before we wrap up? So one thing I will say, there's also a non-binary category and we didn't touch on that at all. And I think that's important to mention. So there's both men's FKT, mixed gender FKTs, women's FKTs and non-binary FKTs. And so we want to be able to throw our support behind that as well. That's great. That's great. I just saw where, where like Boston and some of the other majors are starting to open up non-binary categories in their major races. So I just, I, I hope that this is the beginning about of, time, about yeah. freaking time. Yeah. About mm -hmm. time. Thank you, Terry, Dana, Stacy, Marta, Danielle, what you're doing is so, so, so inspiring. Even to this, this little girl that was sitting in the sauna going, I could never do that, which usually means I need to do that. So <laughs> thank you so much for your time. We're going to get the word out. We're going to shine a light and uh, we're going to keep this project going for you. We're looking forward to featuring your FKT whenever you get to it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Thank you so much. And please follow them on Instagram at women who FKT, or you can dig into their site, which is at ultra And the U is 
actually just the letter U. So it's ultra, the letter U, fitness.com. And on that website, which is a coaching website, you'll see a tab for the Women Who FKT project. And finally, if like me, you want to start to go down the rabbit hole of FKTs out there in the world, you can explore the official site at fastestknowntime.com. And I'll put a link to all of that in the show notes. Thanks for listening and supporting this little independent podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. You could always drop a couple of bucks to support the show through Buy Me a Coffee, and I'll link that up as well. So until next time, as Danielle said, you never know until you try. So let's get out there and give it a try. Thanks for listening.